1: I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Whakatane by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera.
2: Kira, Sam. How's it going?
1: It's going very well indeed. Now, we are, again, pre-recording before Christmas to air in January. Do you have another message for future Mawera? Uh,
2: my next message for my future self is... Clean out the hallway cupboard, don't leave it for another year.
1: <laughs> you could do that now and then it's done.
2: Ah, oh, yeah, but then what would that message have meaning for, hey? Oh,
1: that's a good excuse. Don't have to clean that cupboard out anymore. And I'm sticking with it. <laughs> and who are we introducing today?
2: Today it is my great pleasure to introduce Amber Bridgman. Amber is a fashion designer and multimedia media artist, and oh my gosh, she does some of the most beautiful work. Uh, and it is a real joy to have you with us today, Amber. Thank you very much for joining us.
0: Oh, you're very welcome, Tina Kotorua, or Tina I should say.
1: Kura Amber, Amber and I go way back, Mawera. You don't know this, but we work together. In about 2000, and I'm going to say five, six, seven, on the Simpar project.
0: Yeah, we were almost ahead of our time there. When we Sam doing the digital game par before it, even things like that really existed.
1: I know, I know. I think it was a well, it was ahead of its time. It's something which we could do now and pretty much roll it out exactly as we did it.
0: Absolutely, um, yeah, because we never, that was the missing link to our, our puzzle was finding someone that could actually make the game digital images. And nowadays it's just, it's everywhere.
1: Yeah, so we normally ask people where they are and I know that you are driving, so I'll ask you where you are at the <laughs> top point to, in w- at which you answer it. Where are you, Amber?
0: Um. At the moment, I'm. I'm at the, the back end of outram kind of um it's called Wood End. it's beautiful. it's just below um the turn off to middle march but but as I'm co- having a conversation with you I am tracking my way back into town and heading out to McAndrew Bay.
1: is McCandrew Bay home?
0: No, I'm just actually going to um catch up with um Uh-oh. A, a, a friend a, a family member out there. She's got some mum for me actually in her freezer that she would like to call her to me. So I, I need to go and pick up these manu before they head away on holiday and, and just have a nice catch up too.
1: So we've been asking people about how their bubble lives were, and now of course they've got multiple bubble lives and a traffic light. How was your bubble life the first?
0: Uh the very, very first lockdown about 18 months ago, um, it was it was it was, it was really enjoyable to be honest um it was a bit of a hard one for our whanau like many but so we're a mutton burda family so we go offshore to the titi islands for about two to three months and we'd actually just arrived back from the north island um on a lovely family holiday and literally a week after we arrived back that's when we went into lockdown and so then to discover that the boats and choppers and stuff wouldn't be operating for our whanau um yeah, that was, that was pretty hard for a lot of our family that we looked forward to that time um, which is our traditional mahikakai gathering um, so instead it was a we're staying in Dunedin um, so I think like anyone after about a week of the realisation that this is it um, no, I, I we really enjoyed it it was an opportunity um, we're all artists in our whanau so it was a great opportunity really to um, do things on the section and put up glass houses and just really, um, I guess get on top of things.
1: And did, did you manage to achieve what you you set out to? I've been telling people how I rushed out on the day before lockdown and bought some varnish and it's well it was still in the tin until I used it for something else and the windowsills still aren't done.
0: <laughs> oh, I'd like to say yes i was the same i rushed into mitre 10 mega and brought as many tight black subway tiles and adhesive and anything that i thought that i might need during this time but um yeah i definitely um enjoyed being able to spend time at home yeah i mean you always you have goals don't you during those times and they often change Yeah, you know, i i think that when you've got young children and older children it was um a great motivation for you to get out and exercise and, and always stay busy and active. It's not much time to rest in my house. So, yeah, no, to be honest, I mean, I'm a pretty positive person. The, the first bubble, uh, the first lockdown was great. Um, my mother um, was traveling back from overseas. She was in, um, where was mum? She was in Vietnam. And I don't think she realized the severity of what was actually going on. So I said to her, "Mum, you you have to come home. The borders are closing in 48 hours." And so it was. That was a relief for me was to get her back into the country. And and then and she didn't understand about the bubbles or that she couldn't visit us for 14 days or, or I think was it 28 days back then. Um, but yeah, I mean, bubble life is becoming, um, yeah, the norm. Really, we're getting quite used to stocking up and realising things that we need to be doing and keeping ourselves safe.
1: I'm going to take the first of your music choices. Let's have Teeks first time. Why this one?
0: Uh, I've actually just started listening to Teaks again. Um, I've been doing a lot of road trips lately and yeah there's just something uh, there's something really magical about this young man. He's yeah. not only is his voice, but just, yeah, the words and I find it really uplifting and it was hard to choose exactly which song from takes, but yeah, I just, I like music that um, takes you on a journey and is quite poetic and I think, yeah, I think the song is, is just beautiful.
3: We, who I cried with. I can't believe we're here at last. Can you take me Take me through Touch me on my face Kiss me on my hand Take me to a place Where we find love Show me what it means And how it's supposed to feel You got to I need
1: How was the, how was the second bubble, and I don't know what word we've got for the bit between bubbles, the inter bubble.
0: Yeah, um, so that the the last lockdown that we had, um, like all of us, it really caught you off guard, and you know we got to a stage where we were quite, especially down here in the South Island, um, we're really fortunate that we we sat in level two and that we had no cases for like three hundred and sixty days or something along those lines, and so I really just shifted my focus, um, I realised, um, yeah, I mean, in the first bubble, it was it was pretty hard, to be honest, as an artist, like, all my work just keep kept getting knocked around, I lost all my international shows, travel, um, all my fashion shows in the North Island, pop-up shops, um, obviously, they, everything was just getting cancelled, which was, um, yeah, it's incredibly disappointing, but you just have to you just have to keep rolling and finding other opportunities. So I put my focus back into my other passion, which is roller derby. So it's a, a full contact um, sport and because um, I play for um, various teams, I play for the Māori team in New Zealand and the Galei Lasses, which is the, the A team in Dunedin, um, they're a really young, fit um, group of So we were we had an eye on the prize we were going to nationals and so we were training like anything else so and not to mention you have all these other tournaments building up to it so i was like right that's me i'm just going to focus on roller derby and so between all of those getting cancelled as well it was like oh my goodness this is just they were like double blows like a, I know i'm a resilient person but sometimes when our um our fun stuff or our our goals and dreams start getting shifted so much it's rather frustrating, but um, the second bubble, lockdown, I was really, like, people would ask me how it was, and I just said, oh, it's an artist's dream, I mean, to be locked in your house, in your studio for four weeks, like, to be honest, that's, yeah, it was incredible, I managed to do and make a lot of things that I probably wouldn't have the time to, and just finding treasures and unfinished projects, and yeah, it was it was really good. It was also hard at the same time when you pack a lot of beautiful work away that you've poured your heart and soul into, and these are things going on an international platform for opportunities, and they just sort of they get packed away and put in cases. That's always a bit of a sad moment. But um, I mean, the exciting thing now is that I've just recently, uh, just a couple of days ago, came back from Queenstown and and showcased some of those works up there, um, and I've really managed to pick up some some local stuff that i probably wouldn't have done if i was doing the usual shows away and probably one of the most exciting things was for me um this year was working on a project um, under paimanu which is our contemporary naitahu maori arts group and within that i had a phone call from a finoka of mine rachel rakina um who's an incredibly talented um, multimedia artist that many many of our um, people will know. Um, so she gave me a call and was doing an underwater photo shoot. Um, it was, yeah, so it was actually an underwater video shoot, and um, yeah, asked me to be a part of it, and I jumped at the chance. To be honest, I've I've been watching what she's do- been doing for years, and um, yeah, it was just an amazing opportunity, which is going to lead on to many other bigger projects so that was really exciting to um, be a part of that and then I had my other cousin Mike Bridgman he was the editor of that as well as um, Leighton Quarter from um, the band Quarter. and then they pulled another other local um, musicians from um, TK. he's in a, another Ngai Tahu Kazi. and Tiki Tane was also involved and then we had um, the talented uh, Kormani Cassidy and Paulette Tamati Aleph um, created a beautiful tere, um which is a type of haka, um, yeah, so it was a, a, an amazing project, it was all to do with sustainability and the pollution of our waterways out in the Sinclair wetlands, so if you can imagine all those magical people and the, the rangatahi from Hewaka Kōtūia, um, add my fusion of um, tribal Kachua fashion underwater, and then let Rachel do her magic, it was a, a pretty powerful um, body of work that's um, just been opened and on display at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery, and I'd strongly recommend to people to come in and sit and watch it. It's it's pretty powerful. It's There's 16 very large television screens all cleverly connected together um, with art woven through it on the walls, but then the visual edited um yeah visual feast of our work is all edited up on that wall it's it's stunning
1: just to confirm or just to to my head's spinning on what it actually is did you make underwater fashion
0: i did make underwater fashion
1: how does one go about making underwater fashion
0: um that's a good question sam Bet some, it's something actually that I've been working on for a while With a group of um, other artists So a big goal And obviously with the international borders closed So a big goal of ours is to get um, To some tropical spots Because obviously in Dunedin uh, It's pretty cold in some of our little wee lagoons As beautiful as it is I just, I'm conscious of health and safety And hypothermia <laughs> um, So Because I am a water baby And I've been developing these ideas and doing a bit of research, I kinda knew what needed what would work and what wouldn't work. And so um I just managed to put some 14 garments together in a very, very short deadline of 48 hours. Um and I wouldn't usually work under that pressure, but because of um the opportunity that presented itself and with the person like Rachel Darkina, I was like, yep, nah, I'm all in there. And I literally just um i jumped in the pool at the end and did a bit of underwater photo shoots with um another cousin of mine for my own kahuwai work but the kids were amazing and kormany and rachel were just such amazing calm people to work with that we just well i stood by the side of the pool um and it was amazing it reminded me of my old film days like i was standby props standby wardrobe <laughs> standby makeup and i was just standing there with scissors and and I was, you know, I was aware of water and what the fabrics and uh, what the what the garments would do. So we had standby sinkers, standby, a lot of props and things. And I was literally just um, recutting, um, adding, removing necklaces, strings, pew-pew strands, whatever. Um, and the fortunate thing was we had such an amazing crew on board. We had underwater photo Um, photographer, videographer, Mm. uh, our rangatahi safe, and we also had, um, I would pop on the side and just see the way things were moving, and then obviously the the rangatahi would talk directly to me and say this is too heavy, this feels like it's wrapping around my arms, and you know, I would, it was all about making our rangatahi feel safe and confident, because they were actually performing haka under the water, so I don't know if anyone's listening out there, it's all very well having a swim under the water and a fun play, but it's a totally different space to be able to pukana and haka and draw on those elements of ihi, and wana under the water. So there was a lot of magic happening. And, yeah, because the people that we were, we were all working with, I was really fortunate that my um, older um, mahanga, my older twins, are a part of Hiwaka kotoya, And I, all of the kids are um, either children that I've taught or... Um, Afano Kazi's from the kikes so I think it really helps when you've got um a connection with people as well when you're working with them so yeah it, it was a, an amazing shoot and it was just um it all just worked really really well um to get what Rachel needed and and to to yeah to flourish a, a seed or an idea that I've been wanting to do for a long time so afterwards we also got the opportunity where I had um one of my models um who's also Naitahu as well, Katrina Bryant, um, and she's a, a a former diver as well, so her um her skills underwater are phenomenal um in that sense and also as a model as well. So after the the Tamariki had done what they needed to do, or the Rangatahi I should say, um, we got the opportunity to put on my 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 tribal couture, like very big puffy s- skirts and dresses and and have a play under the water and i jumped in there myself as well and i tell you what it's not easy i thought oh yeah i'm a fish i'm henemoa i can i've got this and because of the dress that i was wearing it was like a it was like a fully woven mooka um dress and it had a massive big long trail so by the time the, the water took the weight of it and then it, it was incredibly hard to move it was almost um yeah it was good for me to be able to um experience that. so when I do my own um, photo shoot that I'm really aware of certain things as well, just the weight of fabric and and it's it's quite hard to have all these multiple layers of focusing when you're the model, um, yeah, you're trying to um stay underwater for a for a period of time so they can get a shot um, but also, be mindful that um you don't look like you're a drowning fish as well <laughs>
1: and some fabrics will billow but others will turn into like a spider's web and, and like just sort of like not be very malleable at all i suppose you are you, you now practiced at what works yeah
0: yeah yeah um i found yeah exactly um And because I had been experimenting prior to the shoot in the bath, I just wanted to see the way certain things moved, Uh, anything from like um, anything synthetic um, synthetic or um, nylon based. It was, yeah, it's fascinating really to see um, the way things move in the water. And you'll see that if you go along to um, the Dunedin Public Art Gallery and see the the visuals. It's just, it's incredible the way it's all been edited together and the powerfulness of Um, the use of colours and fabrics and and texture yeah I was so pleased with the the end results but it's really also the rangatahi as well like any any model or any person that wears your garments um, they bring it to life and that's always a really exciting thing for me I, I work as many artists do I work in isolation I'm always creating and producing on my own I have one outworker, which is my mother um but she's been um unwell this year so she doesn't do as much sewing for me but um yeah when the when models put your work on and you see it come from a cutting table or off a mannequin it, it's yeah i find that's a magical time when um when you see it on someone and and they you can tell that they that they love wearing it they feel really good in it and that's yeah ideally what you want. Well, that's my, what I, my thing is, is that um, I like to produce clothes under my label kahowai that make people feel good about themselves. That's what Wai means. It's about um, a cloak of goodness or clothing um, that makes you feel empowered and, and yeah, and that's, um, yeah, that was a really special time seeing that happen underwater as well as a show that I've just come back from in Queenstown doing as well
2: bubble sprite
4: of the forest of Oroku Nui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia nā kia koutou, I hope you're all having the best time, beautiful superstars in your beloved universes. I really hope wherever you are and whatever's happening around you, this journey that we're all on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining and illuminating for you more and more each day who you are, the triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique and here making things better. Thank you. Now I know for me and I'm sure for all of you, this last several months has been very tough. We've faced so many changes and in so many different ways of understanding the consensus reality that we find ourselves in now with so many differences of opinion and those we love perhaps moving in quite different directions from us. Of course at times like this it is a great solace to know we can feel love at a distance and wherever someone we love is whether it's on the other half of the world whether it's next door, but that's still too far away to make contact, whether it's in the lounge downstairs, whether it's on the other end of the phone line, whether it's passed many years ago into a different realm, whether it's waiting to be born. All of these spaces between us allow us the opportunity not only to feel belonging and appreciation for each other but also potentially what we can do and grow within us to make that distance a friend. I know that as a species we excel in communication and time is often what we need to unlock this puzzle. Living now in a very fast-paced society, where we're replying and responding immediately to one another. Often the subtlety and the depth of the feelings, of the words, of the phrases, of the mannerisms, of the stories, of the songs, of the poems, of the pictures that we wish to convey can be lost in the immediacy of our communication mediums. So for me, in this year, 2022, the year that dreams come true, I'm really encouraging myself to feel safe with taking my time to linger on each word, each syllable, the way that it's placed, to draw my meaning from it, paint a picture, to hear a song, to see a scene, to dream a dream, to smell a whole suite of different aromated bouquets, to do my best to understand the lay of the land before I respond, and in this way return to the practice of our ancestors and our ancestors before them, that in fact, in taking our time, we are showing respect. We are waiting for that part of us that is best to respond, to fully awaken and be ready. I'm so grateful, of course, to Sam and the whole Blown Bubbles team for having me to be part of this show thank you it's a huge pleasure and privilege for me and it has allowed me so much time and freedom to listen to hear stories from all over the world to be inspired by and I think for all of us we're doing this together how beautiful we can really support and encourage each other in it that we need not be afraid to take our time and let each other know that that's what's best for us. I look forward to
2: talking to you again. Thanks so much, Kakita.
1: You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Amber Bridgman.
2: Amber, listening to you talking about your experience in the water, it uh, strikes me that you must have like a real natural uh, problem-solving ability is that something you've developed over time or is it what's happened in your life that's developed your problem solving skills oh that's a good question
0: um i would definitely say i'm a, a solution person like um you know if there's any anyone's got an issue or whether it's business or personal i like to always be quite positive and try and find an outcome it may not be the answer but um pathways through or options through is always um a more positive um, approach to a situation than
1: sitting and mulling in it.
0: Um, Yeah, I I think, I mean, everyone has different stories and experiences in their life, and I'd definitely say I'm a pretty resilient person. Um, Yeah, I mean, that stems from probably my upbringing, and, um, yeah, being a, a, I I don't really like the term, but being a a solo parent, um, yeah, it's just something that you... As a parent, you take on board that you are, um,
5: yeah, you do
0: need to be resilient and always um, finding solutions to bumps in the road or things that come your way.
2: If you add your problem solving skills to your beautiful creativity, is that something you think we can package to teach to get our kids thinking with that sort of, you know, that future focused problem solving mindset?
0: Oh, absolutely, and it's um, it's funny that you say that because it's actually something that I do teach, like um, many different schools or um, art spaces often call me in to do specialised teaching around that. So because I work under a sustainable practice, um, and it's funny that word, it's used all the time now, quite heavily marketed, and I kind of never really would say those words. I've just always done it. Um, you know, artists, um, you know, we... We live like queens one day and then when we might live like students the next. So one thing I've always really been mindful of is um, the resources that I use. So I'm not really big into going into um, fabric spaces and spending thousands of dollars on, you know, the best silks or merino, as much as I would like to. Um, for me, my budget, it's just, it's unlogical, to be honest, to buy fabric that's so expensive and then then you put all the hours of work into it because i know that there's probably about two percent of people that can actually afford to buy those products so a way i work is in deconstruction so i um i'm very fortunate that one i love op shopping um or the shops, and that i have um a, a very large studio that probably for the last 20 years i've been gathering um amazing vintage mature fabrics and resources that i find on my journeys and i i deconstruct and sometimes people almost don't believe me like oh they'll be like wow that's such an amazing dress and then i will talk to them about the process on how i created it and i say see that bodice that's actually deconstructed sleeves off this dress over here and they're like wow but um it's yeah there's just something really magical in deconstruction I find it, um, I've talked to people about it before, and for myself, I find it kind of like a um, a decolonisation process within the fabric, and I think there's nothing better when you can use something that has a history and there's something so unique about vintage fabric, even the way they um, they used to cut the dresses. Like, that's my favourite style of, of dress, because they actually, you know, haute couture as a type of... Um, construction that is, is hand done, it's individually done, it's fitted to the person, um, where these days, you know, ready to wear fast fashion is just not the way to go, it's you just, that's the way we're going to keep polluting papatuanuku, so working under a deconstruction, sustainable practice is, not only saves um, myself money, but yeah, I mean it's saving papatuanuku and it's I think people love that when things have a story like when it has meaning
2: we've talked about um a book there's a book um that uh, we've just recently interviewed the writer uh writer named ron wakari and he wrote a book called design for a non-human centered world and actually what you're talking about is is what he's talking about as well like if the if what we're doing if what we're creating puts the planet first and and us second then it's gotta be good for the planet and for us since we need the planet to be healthy and well. And you're absolutely. talking about, you're talking about designing, using things that are already in existence rather than creating something new just for the purpose of creating it yet again.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like giving it new life. And I, I to be honest though, I, I mean I've been working under these practices most of my life when I think about it. Like my mother is an incredibly creative person, like um growing up as a child, I I was so blessed. Everything she made me was like handmade, but not in a, in a, not in that ugly 80s handmade style. Like, I, yeah, if I look back on my photos, I had the most incredible dresses with matching, um, you know, what were they called? Scrunchies. And, oh, like when, and even when I think about her, the interior of, my bedroom and the house and you know we didn't come from money my mother was a um a, a single parent for a, a while and and so you know you you by the way I've learned you don't need money to have style um and so I guess having those foundations of you can you can create anything out of nothing um has really helped me um be the be the designer and the artist that I am today I, I think that's the fun of it like when you mix and match things um, from different eras and from different spaces, it's that's what makes them incredibly unique and yeah, there's a, a saying that one of my mentors always taught me and um, he said, make something ordinary extraordinary and it's so true it's how you put your own spin on something, it's the magic and the, the, the energy that you can pour into that and yeah, and I think that's what probably sets my work apart from yeah, not from other people, but just from other things that you see. But um, I really hope, and I know there are a lot of more sustainable fashion des- designers out there now. But you know, we really do hope in time that um, people stop um, buying seasonal garments, stop buying stuff that's coming in from these factories overseas. And unfortunately, with um, you know with COVID, people are buying a lot more online products. It just seems to be. The easiest way, but I think we really need to do our research into finding out where where does your garment come from. Like, do you actually know who made it? Like, do you know what country it came from? And when we know these things, and we start digging a little bit deeper, um, especially when we start looking into some of the factories um, overseas, um, you know, I, I'm not happy about um, a young child uh, being paid very un very poorly to produce garments. Um, and I know some, there's levels now with the New Zealand fashion designers have to be accountable. They have to um, declare uh, what zone they're working in in those factories. And um, I mean, I could have, I, 10 years ago, I could have gone offshore and got all my stuff made um, where a lot of other designers are making their work. Um, but I, I, I made a decision to stick to my um, kaupapa, which is all about authenticity. And, and you know, some people might disagree that i i didn't make those calls but i just i don't believe that if you send a print off overseas you for a start off you lose uh your copyright and also too i feel that you're not really a designer if you're just pumping in t-shirts and sweatshirts that that are coming in from overseas it's like for me it's it loses that that essence that handmade touch i mean even today like I'm a I'm a I'm a sucker I'm a workhorse, but even to this day I still hand print every garment myself, and I still sew in every label, um, because it's what it's how I can check the quality control, um, and still um, have that essence of yeah of my own mahi going into each garment.
1: I'm going to squeeze in the second of your music choices. Fat Freddy's drop, silver and gold.
5: But you keep on chasing. Keep on, on, on. Could you love someone that was never really there? When times got tough, they would never shed a tear. She talking, and then shit's getting old. But you keep on chasing, because you can't break free from the silver. ¡Gracias!
1: some questions to end the show with and not very much time so we're going to have to rattle through them what is the biggest sure. success you've had in the last couple of years
0: oh as a parent i would definitely say the birth of my children i'm very blessed and fortunate to have um four beautiful healthy children um all very different ages um i would say they are my um my biggest success and achievements. Um, Professionally. Uh, I was selected as a New Zealand ambassador by Creative New Zealand to um, attend Festpack. Um That was a, a pretty um, special moment for myself as an artist. Um, as if any artists are listening, we all go through stages where we're like, I'll just go get a real job because sometimes art doesn't pay the bills. And I think I was at a time like that in my life after doing this for, for, for 25 years, I, I just thought, oh... Nah. And then I, I applied for the Creative New Zealand um delegation and yeah, when I when I actually got in that was for me a really pinnacle moment in my career that I thought, no, I must be good at this if they um <laughs> if they've selected me. <laughs>
1: what is your superpower?
0: Oh, what's my superpower? Um, I've got a few. <laughs> <laughs> um well I, I skate under the name Wonder Wahine. Which is um, Wonder Woman, and it's uh, um, one of my one of my brands as well under the label um, Superpower. Um, I'm oh, that's a hard one. <laughs> you know the saying, the kumara never talks about how sweet it is. Superpower would be making people feel happy and good about themselves, cooking as mouldy traditional food, and. Um, Oh yeah, I can't think
1: it. Yeah, th- is that enough? <laughs> That's enough. Do you consider yourself to be an activist?
0: In what In what platform?
1: Anything you like.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, in, in many things. I probably really wouldn't use the word activist though. I'd probably just say I'm conscious and aware of things. Um, just really fortunate at a young age to be made aware of things that sadly some things people are only learning now like simple things like the Tohon Suppression Act like when my friends tell me about it now I'm like yeah that's why I was a part of those groups when I was younger and travelled and met with a lot of indigenous people because it was always about change and awareness but yeah activists I wouldn't I wouldn't use the word activist I'd say passionate <laughs> <laughs>
1: What's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or two?
0: The biggest challenge? Wow, hard question, Sam. Um, The biggest challenge I'm looking forward to would be probably ensuring that my older boys um, lead into the pathways that set them up to be amazing adults. And, yeah, just ensuring that they uh, are ready... For the world, that's um, the new world that's out there.
1: And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners
0: um, in regards to the arts? I would just, or if, if, if we're thinking of rangatahi and school leavers, I would just do something that inspires you, that lifts your spirit, and makes you feel um, makes you feel really good. Yeah, do things that. Are gonna fill your fill your cup, and um, yeah, just and and listen, listen to your your people around you, your people that are guiding you, whether they're your elders, whether they're your teachers, um, or your community. Yeah, just just do what do what feels right, and um, yeah, live your live your life purpose. So, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't say suggest going and doing something that you wake up every morning literally dreading to do you want to get up and just be excited about your day and in the and the mahi that you're going to take on I think um one thing I'm really passionate about and something that I was taught and I'm really fortunate I've been weaving for over that's scary when I think about it like that because then I'm revealing my age as well um I've been weaving for over 30 years and one of my um my my weaving um masters um Ruka Cameron, what she taught me was that you must master things traditionally before you move into contemporary and what I'm noticing um a lot is you know there's a there's a weird space between contemporary and traditional artists, and I guess what frustrates me um and what I wanted to share is that if you're going to do contemporary Maori art you need to have a foundation. You need to have an understanding um, of wai au, who you are, um, and you really need to have an understanding of the designs and what you are creating, and the resources as well. Um, there is a very, very small pool of us left of traditional artists. Um, we can count our tuhonga Whakaero and tohonga, um Raranga um, in Te on on the South Island now. It's really scary, actually. Um, you know that those are our incredible art forms, and yeah, I, I would suggest if you um, if you're an artist in in those realms, go to Dokoa. go and see your Tukum Fakaido, and and get a really really strong foundation um, and understanding of of working practices before you start adding your own spin onto it. Because um, you know we've been seeing a lot of work coming out um, and. Yeah, and, and it, it actually scares me sometimes when I see the finished work and I'm like, oh, e heka. It, it just crosses so many tikanga, um, really simple tikanga if you live in that realm, if you understand te ao Māori and mahi toi, um, the way I've been fortunate enough to be raised in it. But, um, yeah, that would be my, um, my artist tip for any um, up-and-coming contemporary artists is that... Um, you need to have a really good understanding of um, tikanga, of designs um, within that space before you start adding your own spin on it.
1: Thank you for that. Mawera?
2: Amber, I just want to say thank you for your thoughtful approach to your mahi uh, and for being uh, for actually walking the talk, which not enough people do, especially um, in those kind of spaces. Uh, and it, it just it gives me hope to know that you're out there sharing that message. Um, And also, uh, you know, like making sure that people are looked after and that their work is valued. Uh, I appreciate that.
1: You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.wall.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Tikitane Summertime. I'm Samuel Rannan-Soyers-Bay Dunedin with Weira Karatai in Takutani. And from driving around Dunedin, we've been joined by Amber Bridgman. But that was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show.